When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben, and today we are joined by our super production team, the dynamic duo of Tristan McNeil and Dylan Fagan. So say hi to them while you're listening along, and we'll figure out some uh, some nicknames. I'm thinking I like Tristan Cool Grand McNeil. Cool Grand is a good one. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, and this is going to be one of the podcasts where you and I, Scott, figure out how to make the maximum possible numbers of slang terms for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we might we might uh, come up with a couple along the way, probably some oldies but goodies, but um the the topic of today, I mean, is is something that I think a lot of people are probably pretty interested in. I mean, it yeah. seems like uh we we get a lot of email from people that say Look, I just need a car for winter use, or I just Ooh. need a car just to get me by until uh, you know I can you know uh, get that new job and then get my new new ride. Right, or my child is beginning to drive, my teen, and so I want to get them a car. I want them to have that ability to drive places, but yeah. I don't want to get them you know a super fancy thing, especially because statistically. They might send it to the boneyard in three months. Well, that's true. I mean, and, you know, there's other concerns there too, safety and things like that, but mm-hmm. and, and modern features, I suppose. Right. But um, yeah, a lot of people don't have ten grand to drop on a kid's first new car, you know, something like that, or in that mm-hmm. ballpark, you know, mm-hmm. let's say five to seven. Uh, but if you are um, looking for a a real bargain, and we're talking about a <laughs> uh, a one thousand dollar used car, but the but with the qualifier, good used car. Yes, a car that will not just be essentially an expensive rental, not a temporary solution, but a car that you can acquire that will not only pass muster, like pass emissions, that's Mm -hmm. a big one, uh, but also be reliable for a cert, like for a decent amount of time. Yeah, safe. Yeah. Something safe, something uh, something reliable, something you can get to and from work or school and that kind of thing. Uh, it may not be pretty, but uh, but it gets you there. <laughs> All right, so there's a few things that uh, I want to mention here before we really jump in. And uh, one is that we've done a few other previous car stuff episodes that uh, kind of relate to used cars oh, yeah. in, in a lot of ways. We've done 10 used cars to avoid back in August of 2014. Which still remains relevant. Uh, it sure does, yeah. And then we've also got um, used car salesman tips and tricks. And uh, that is from August 2013. And that one that one may be more relevant than ever for today's episode, really. Mm. I mean, because we're talking about people that are selling, well, auctioning and selling cars, really. Sure. Um, but the guy that, uh, that wrote this article that we're going to follow along with, and it comes from... Uh, car and driver, and the guy's name is Stephen Lang. Now, you may think, well, what does Stephen Lang know about cars, really? I mean, about, you know, buying a cheap car. Oh, no, he's not just some 
ordinary Joe Schmo talking to you at the Applebee's. No, no, no. This guy has been an auto auctioneer. He's a, he was a car dealer, and he is also a part-time owner of an auto auction for about two decades now. So he knows his stuff. He knows how to get good deals. He knows where to get good deals. And that's the thrust of today's episode is, is where, because we're going to run through about six different ways or places to find a new car deal. And we'll tell you these places kind of in order, I guess, like from the, from the worst to the uh-huh. best. And I will tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, is that at the end of this episode, the very, very end, we're going to tell you what the author calls the uncomfortable truth at the very end of the show. Yes. So, so make sure you stick around to that, for that. But along the way, um, I want to caution you about this because, you know, we're not advocating that you go out and buy an auction car. We're not saying mm-hmm. that, you know, this is, you know, the... Uh, the, the only way to do this, you know, you, there are other ways that, that this can happen as well. You can find a decent used car for $1,000. And I understand that, you know, families give cars to each other for a dollar and that kind of thing happens. But these are, you know, party to party sales. I, I don't know if that's the best way to say it, Ben. It's, a, it's, um, eh, I don't even know if there is a good, like, not, there's no B2B example for this because it's mm. a little bit of everything. It's an auctioneer selling to, or an auction house selling to a private individual, or you're right. buying from a government, or, you know, you're buying from uh, a bigger, Institution or something. Sure. So there's a lot of variation in this, and I, I <laughs> one more word of caution because we've talked about this on our in our show. I mm-hmm. know we have. Mm-hmm. You know the flood damage car thing. Oh yes. So Ooh, watch s- out. So essentially, that comes down to salvage cars and, and auction cars that we're going to talk about today. You have to understand, auction cars are not always salvage cars. So, but salvage cars can be very very tempting if you see them. You can you can search online, and, and I welcome you to do this. I, I did this. Just today, before we came into the studio, uh-huh. I searched salvage cars Florida because it's you know close to us, mm-hmm. and and I knew that you know there are lots of salvage car places down there, so you know like fish in a barrel, you know. Right. So I searched for that, checked the first one that comes up, and it's sure enough, it's got loads of uh, modern cars, classic cars, light and heavy duty trucks, boats, RVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles in Florida, and uh-huh. a couple of those, <laughs> which I thought was weird, but. You'll find that, I mean, they're so tempting. I've been tempted by these late at night on eBay or wherever they sell them, <laughs> or even just on their own site, you know, where uh, you find a Lamborghini for twenty to $40,000, you know, with a little bit of front-end damage, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, my God, I could drive the Lamborghini for $40,000, and it doesn't look, it looks like it's cosmetic damage. Right. There's a reason it's $40,000 and not $240,000. And it's not cosmetic. No, it's not. I mean, there was, here's a good example. One more example, then we'll, we'll sure. jump in, I hope. Um, there was a 2004 Ferrari Enzo on a site called readytofix.com. Uh-huh. And this is, again, a salvage car. Again, 2004 Ferrari Enzo, $305,000. It's still a lot of money, but it had right front collision damage. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's other things on the site, too, like theft recovery. There's flood damage. There's yeah. engine fires. But, uh, man, you've got a really... Really be willing to take a, a leap of faith if you're going to buy one of those vehicles. And, and you have to really know your stuff. You have to know what you're looking at before you really jump in, you know, both feet first on uh-huh. something like this. And, and we will say, just in general, just as a rule of thumb, don't buy a flood-damaged car. No. Just never. don't. No, don't do it. Never, It's ever. not worth it. Hey, didn't we talk about um, cars that were uh, Katrina Hurricane Katrina yeah, cars. Yeah, that's where a lot came from. They were being sold in, uh, oh, man, where was it? I think it was Central America or possibly South America, but I think it was Central. Mm-hmm. And uh, people knowingly bought them, you know, understanding that there was flood damage. There was, <laughs> I think they called them water flow damage or something like that. And uh, people bought them, but they were really, really regretting their choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And when we say people bought them, they were really regretting their choice. We don't mean some of them. We mean... Pr- Virtually every single person. Yeah, yeah. And other people, you know, inadvertently buy a flood damaged car, you know, from a used car dealer on the corner mm-hmm. or something or an auction or something. And um, always, always trouble a little later on. Maybe not initially, but mm-hmm. a little later on. And, and it, it's severe. So that's the lay of the land for some earlier reference points. If you are interested in this topic because it directly applies to you now, then we do, uh, we do ask that before you go out with uh, what do we call it? With uh, one large, like what is it? Oh, I guess uh, I don't know. A grand? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. What do they call that? I don't know. One big? One big? I sure. Don't know. No, that's not it. But I mean, yeah, one large maybe. How about that? Okay, that's we could do better. But to that me, that'll work for now. To me, that's one hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To so, me, it's a pizza. So, right. so a thousand dollars. Yeah. So 
now that we have the lay of the land, before you go and purchase a vehicle for that price or any used vehicle, if you haven't listened to those earlier episodes, uh, give them give them a listen before you you go out there on the prowl for a new car or new used car. The author of the article that inspired today's episode does a great job setting this up when he points out the following. Today, like in the modern time, it's not only as easy as it's ever been to buy a vehicle for $1,000 or even less, it's actually easier to find those offers because online communication has allowed a lot of people to sell stuff directly, but the problem is, where do you get a good used car for $1,000? Because it's not like, you know, now that there's this proliferation of private sellers and, uh, you know, as you said, it's got auctioneers and stuff existing almost entirely online, uh, there are a heck of a lot more choices available, right? Yeah, it used to be that you'd have to drive around town and find the deals. Yeah, or, you know, pick up... Pick up the old uh, classifieds, right? Yeah, auto trader. Yeah, right by the uh, the edge of the grocery store <laughs> yeah, with threshold. Those little, with those little uh, postage postage stamp uh, size size ads, you know, they yeah, had yeah. maybe uh, twenty words, and everybody's trying to abbreviate everything so that they can get the yeah. most words in. And it, all the pictures look like the same blurry pickup. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, we've gone; those things still exist, and they're yeah. valuable. But yeah. we've gone beyond that. Sure, and Correct. that. Well, Craigslist and eBay and, sure. you know, anybody can offer up a car for sale and anybody anywhere can find that car for sale. And that means it's even more difficult uh, to figure out what a worthwhile deal is. Yeah, what's junk and what's quality. So this author, again, he you know, he's a uh, um, part owner of an auto auction facility, I believe. For, yeah, for nearly two decades, it said. And also, remember, he was an auctioneer and a car dealer and uh, al- along the way. So he's got a lot of experience. He says, we'll start with the, uh, you, know, the you know, the worst choice of all here. So yeah. we'll go through these six. And here's, uh, here's I guess, if you want to call it number one, fine. Or if you want to call it number six, fine. We'll either count down or count up. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but the worst available option to you is an impound lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. But specifically, you might be asking why. That's because there is a tendency for cars that end up in an impound lot to be, you might hear being called crusher fodder or chop shop ready because as a single unit, they're not worth that much. The individual components or parts are actually worth more being sold individually. Yeah, you have to remember the impound lots are full of vehicles that are brought in by, you know, wrecker services and tow yards. So they're abandoned vehicles, really. And that's the, the majority of what you're going to find on those lots. So you know that it's something that somebody has just kind of discarded. They've, uh, they've abandoned it, really. They've decided that they, uh, <laughs> you know, broke down on the side of the road and they just walked away and that was it. Or they parked it somewhere and again, walked away. And, and, you know, there's very few, um, examples where you know there's the uh, you know the, the odd time when maybe they'll seize like a drug lord's cars or something you know sure. like a whole collection and there's something you know really unusual they'll have you know SUVs and you know whatever else Cadillacs and sports cars and all that kind of stuff and toys but that's not the case most of the time you have to be very very lucky to find something like that on on the impound lot um, you may find that somewhere else you know maybe even some places we'll talk about today but um, some of these cars are you know drunk driving offenses or sure. you know prostitution offenses or something where they, right. they you know they take the car they impound the car and people don't have enough to pay for it to get it back out or they're not out of jail yeah exactly <laughs> which but, is tough to say well but true and, and the problem with this is that a lot of these cars are extremely rough around the edges they're they're not something that uh, is going to be a pretty vehicle by any means. You know, not a lot of what we're going to talk about today, as you can imagine, with you know the one thousand or less cap, uh, are going to be pretty. But um, these are really, really worn out. Yeah, and there's there's something else that I think we should point out. I I'm going to go ahead and throw some more cold water on the idea of winning the impound lottery and finding you know the diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. Even when those cars come in, they're rare enough that the owner or the owner of the lot or employees who work on the lot are already going to know it's there and they're probably going to move pretty quick on it too so unless you have a buddy who works at an impound lot i'm going to go ahead and say your odds of finding a decent entire car 
that you can like drive off the lot and not have problems with other than regular maintenance, mm-hmm. virtually zero. Might as well buy a scratch off. All right. So then the question is, why would you ever shop at an impound lot? And there's there's a good reason. There's a great reason. It's one of the best places to buy a parts car. Yeah, so if you have like a, you know, a 1990s Honda Civic or, mm-hmm. you know, Toyota or something like that, you might be able to find a, a relatively cheap car that has a decent engine in it and something that you want to want to swap out and of course it's going to be worth whatever they're charging for that, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, $500 or $200 or whatever mm-hmm. it is, uh but that's definitely worth it. Yeah, and this Okay, this makes me think, while we're on impound lots and before we go to the next thing, this makes me think of that awesome video we saw I don't think we've mentioned on air yet of the lot that had the everything you can carry for a flat fee <laughs> yeah, gimmick that's, yeah, that day. That's, that's right. I think uh, you know one of our listeners was it Rudy. It I was Rudy. Rudy, it, Rudy yeah. Smith in it, and he said uh, he said, "Hey, check out this video." And it was a uh, it was what an all you can carry. It looked like it was in the Southwest somewhere. Mm, it was insane. All you can carry for I don't know fifty nine ninety nine that day or something. Yeah, and. You wouldn't believe some of the antics that were going on. You had to carry it a certain distance, and there was a you know a, a walkway, I guess, maybe. right, with uh, with little traffic cones on either side. Yeah, and flags, and mm-hmm. you know somebody said, okay, you start here and you end here. As soon as you cross the line, it's yours for sixty bucks, whatever you've got on your back or arms or whatever. If you cross the line, yeah. Well, and they're using rope to tie parts onto their body, and uh, you know they're balancing things on their shoulders. There are people got, trying to carry in engine blocks. Yeah, they've got stacks that look like it's something out of a, a Dr. Seuss book that they're carrying. Over the uh, over the line, but you know, once they crossed that threshold, man, they were so they exhausted collapsed. they just dropped it and collapsed. Some people but, ruined their backs we, doing that. Absolutely, yeah. Some people are a little more you know common sense about it, but uh, but others were definitely not. And you know, one one quick thing here as yeah. before we wrap up impound yards. Yeah, you got to remember that a lot of these cars don't run. That's there's a reason they were abandoned on the side of the road or abandoned you know wherever they were parked. So mm-hmm. it's not just someone walked away. It could be that you know they don't run. So you know. I don't know. It, it seems like a bad idea all around to go to an impound lot to buy a running used car. Yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a it's very difficult. But there is a slightly a, a slightly better category, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's our next one up: junkyards. Yeah, junkyards. Uh, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes are licensed to sell running cars. You know, we we typically think of these places as places to pick up parts, you know, to uh, to to strip other vehicles that are on the lot, you know, and uh, again, to carry things out for fifty nine ninety nine, everything you can carry. But the majority of these vehicles, in fact, millions of them are, are sold by these big salvage and auto auction companies. Like, you know, there's a couple of national brands that have become kind of the popular ones. Yeah, the big fish, yeah. like uh, Copart. Yeah, and insurance auto auctions as listed in this article. But a small percentage of the older cars that still run but are but are also deemed total because, you know, the replacement parts are expensive or, you know, mm-hmm. they've got something. They, they knocked out a, um, I'm going to say like an, an air compressor or something, you know, behind the panel that was too expensive to repair. Right. The insurance company just said it's a total loss. Uh, there's a few, there's, a, there's a, a small percentage of cars on the junkyard lots that are like that. And if you're willing to, to you know, to put up with that, you know, with some of the cosmetic stuff, yeah. you know, some of the uh, the scratches and dents and dings, um, you know, th- that may be the place to you, or place for you, rather. Yeah, like the car is old enough or its mileage is high enough that replacing the bumper from a a front collision is just not worth it financially, right? But that means it might be worth it to you if you don't mind driving, you know, an ugly duckling. So, Well, that's true. And the author says, you know, it's not always easy on the ego to buy a car that looks as if it got into a fight and lost, but (laughs) if dents, scuffs, and, you know, older metal are your personal ticket to cheap motoring, then you should call up your local junkyard and see what they may have available. Again, it won't be pretty, but it'll do. And, uh, you know, again, just call them and see what they have to offer. Word of caution, though. Yeah, be very, very cautious because um, you really shouldn't expect a whole lot. And the other thing is that some of the, some states, not all states, but some mm-hmm. states are a little bit uh, looser with the way yeah. they um, restrict or regulate some of these sales. Yeah. So you got to be careful what you're getting into and really investigate the laws in your state uh, for junkyard sales. But it's possible. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's still better than an impound lot. And next we're going to dive into something that, honestly, Scott, really surprised me. I was caught flat-footed by this. I had no idea what it was, and hopefully, listeners, you'll be surprised, too, after a word from our sponsor. 
If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good. And I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Scott, did this surprise you too? Oh, I'm very intrigued by this one. Yeah, I... I Really hadn't thought of this. Now I've I've heard of other auctions happening at these places, mm-hmm. but not an auto auction. And I guess I mean it's probably more common than we think. Really? Yeah, I guess so. It's a big world, huh? Well, apparently so. We're talking about airport auctions. Here's the thing. I know. I know. Sounds crazy. Sounds crazy. Uh, I also want to point out that no, to Scott and I's knowledge, they are not auctioning planes usually. But here's what happens, folks. Some people take a one-way flight overseas and just never come back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they, they park the car in the long-term lot or even the short-term lot mm-hmm. and just decide that, you know, that's it. They're not coming back. They're going to extend their vacation forever and, or, or longer than, uh, you know, the lot will allow. Yeah, yeah. And they come back and find their vehicle missing or, or you know, They're going to go, like, fake their death or escape the feds <laughs> or something. Who knows? Yeah, well, there's passport issues and there's work visas and things like that that, that <laughs> cause complications, right? Or let's say somebody who's arrested overseas or, you know, where, whatever. Yeah. That happens. Um, but the resulting abandoned cars, you know, that, that come from those situations mm-hmm. have a big advantage over, you know, some of the other options that we've gone over so far today and that is that you know that they were running when they were parked on this lot yeah that's true and there there are extreme cases of this that are related we did an entire episode about a a very strange phenomenon in saudi arabia i believe it is where due to the way um debt and work visas 
due to the way they're legally regulated in that country, there were a lot of people from a different part of the world who were high on the hog and bought these fantastic exotic sports cars, but then had to skip town in like 24 to 48 hours yeah. and just abandoned the car. So, yeah, so abandoned cars of Dubai or whatever. Yeah, you Dubai, can, that's what it was. You can search those and you'll find, you know, Ferrari Enzo with two inches mm-hmm. of dust on top of it, you know, or other supercars that have been parked and abandoned. So these aren't exactly, you know, McLarens in a lot of airport auction cases, <laughs> but it's well, worth your time in calling to see what they have. Yeah, there is a strategy yeah. that you need to employ for this. Now, the strategy, according to the author, is that if you want to bid, because it is an auction, you should call first and then show up during the preview time slot. So, you know, the time before the auction mm-hmm. when they allow you to walk around and take a look at the vehicles and really climb in them and, you know, inspect everything. That's the preview time slot. And if you come with a jump box and an OBD2 vehicle diagnostic scanner, uh, you should do okay because you're able to check, you know, exactly what's going on with that vehicle. You know, the jump box will allow you to power up the vehicle or even start the car if possible. Right. And the uh, OBD2 diagnostic tool will allow you to, you know, check any fault codes or anything like that that may be happening that, uh, you know, maybe there's a reason it was abandoned at the airport, <laughs> you know, other than the passport or whatever we sure, talked about. But, yeah. Um, he also tells you don't expect a whole lot here, right? Right, that's the thing. It's it's going to be research heavy. Your odds are st- the odds are still not going to be stacked in your favor. If if anything, I think it's a really interesting experiment just to learn more about what happens there. But you're but again, this leads us to our next category. If you're aiming for an auction, your best your best shot is like a public auction. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, and we'll we'll come to that in just a second, but I, I want to jump back for one second because I think this is so funny what the author says. Mm. If you go to an airport auction and you aim for ugly and unpopular, <laughs> right. you might find a car for $1,000 or less. So it's not a bad option. But, you know, for $1,000, you may need to settle, I suppose. And, and again, mm. if you don't want to settle at an, at an airport auction, then maybe you do go to a public auction like you're talking about, Ben. Yeah, the next... The next best thing, or the slightly better auction. (laughs) So, (laughs) if you've ever been to an auto auction, whether as a participant on either side of the deal or just as an observer who wants to be a fly on the wall, then it is readily apparent to everyone involved that there's a hierarchy, or like our author says in this, a pecking order. Yeah, yeah. There are three types of, of sales that happen here at the, at the auctions, at the public auctions. And the very worst cars are usually the ones that come from independent used car dealers that are trying to just completely unload whatever crap they've got on their lot, the worst of the worst. So they bring these to auction and uh, just unload them on somebody that, you know, really hasn't done their homework, hasn't inspected them, hasn't, uh, you know, doesn't really know their automotive stuff, I guess, and uh, is looking for a cheap buy. Yeah, exactly. That's the first kind. That's the first kind. The second kind would be... New car dealers who are offering trade-ins. Mm-hmm. So some, you know, somebody trades in their current car to get a new one and get a little bit knocked off the price of the new car. And then the dealers will take that trade-in and then offer it off in an auction, hopefully for more than they bought it for. Yeah. Oh. As- as Always. The, well, yeah, and as the author says, you know, it's hit or miss in this case, right? And the third type, the the <laughs> the least worst cars, the one if you want to put it that That's way. That's a very good way to phrase yeah, it. Yeah, the least worst cars are usually the repossessions from banks, credit unions, finance companies, places like that. Yeah. But the problem is now, <laughs> you know, it's just funny that he doesn't say the best. He says the least worst, but um, it's really difficult to buy a vehicle here in a smart way. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to really know your stuff. You have to really understand what's going on when you look at that vehicle. Again, bringing that jump box or that OBD2 scanner, that's important. Yeah. Um, you know, really inspect the vehicle, really know what you're looking at. Um, do a lot of research ahead of time. Mm-hmm. That'll go a long, long way. Uh, but again, three different types of, uh, of sellers there at the auction, I guess. So the ones you want to go for are the ones that are the repossessions from banks, credit unions, finance companies. You know why they're... Do you know why they're the least worst and not the best? <laughs> why is that? This is speculation on my part. I want to hear what you think, ladies and gentlemen. I would argue that the reason they're the least worst and not the best is because these are, since they are repos, that tells us a little bit about the owner. And people who are entering repossession 
have a have a much higher chance of being bad car owners when it comes to maintenance mm-hmm. and when it comes to upkeep. You know, yeah, they just don't care. And I'm not saying that all these people were you know like dastardly scoundrels or villains uh, because you know terrible things can happen to anyone, but. The odds of them getting regular tune-ups, the odds of them keeping an eye on fluids, it's just lower across the board. Yeah, this, this is, there's a possibility that you may get a vehicle that, you know, someone had enough money for the down payment and to get it off the lot with the first payment. And then, you know, for the next three months they didn't pay, then it's, it's, uh, it's repoed and, you know, ends up here in this public auction. Yeah. And that's where you see it. But you can imagine that somebody who knows that it's, it's not going well for them. It's not going to end well. Uh, they're not really going to care if there's a cigarette burn in the seat. They're not going to care no. if the, you know, the window's got a crack in it or, mm-hmm. you know, care about things like oil changes or, uh, you know, keeping the tires fresh or anything like that. It, it's going to be run down. And again, <laughs> you got to remember all the way through this, we're talking about a car, a car for a thousand dollars. So you know the, the condition already is going to be that great. Cause, you know, auction houses or, you know, uh, public auctions, they have, Every level of of uh, vehicle that you would want. I mean, they've got luxury vehicles. They've got um, um, all the way down to you know the, the bottom end. I guess you know the mm-hmm. uh, the extreme economy vehicles. So um, again, you need to know what you're doing here. But it's a difficult place to shop. You really need to know your stuff. Yeah, uh, there's another there's another category that I would like to to uh, describe using a different title. Okay, so. Our author here calls the next category the spare car. But I prefer to think of it as the nepotism market. Oh, really? Yeah, because this is this this is where you use your personal social contacts and you know someone, kind of a, a pre-verified, pre-cleared private seller. So instead of, you know, uh, John J. Doe, from Craigslist or Auto Trader, you have a friend that you've known for a while, or you have a family member who has a car that they don't use very often. Yeah, my uncle's got this Corvette, but has been parked n- next to the garage for you know fifteen years. Right, wants exactly. to unload it, you know that kind of thing. So I call I call this the word of mouth car. That's you know, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> a little nicer way to say it. <laughs> I guess so. You know, it's 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 one of those that you know again people. Kind of talk about this one. You know, they they uh, they first hint that you know something's available, or if you've spread word, you know that uh, that that you're looking for a, a cheap used car. That sometimes right. happens. You know, you um, oh, you know what? A lot of people get on Facebook or Twitter, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, and kind of advertise themselves and say, hey. You know, I'm I'm looking for a car for about a thousand dollars. Does anybody have anything available? Yeah, that happens now too. But mostly, what happens is, you know, it's it's a uh, it's more of a casual conversation. You run into some old friend and uh, you start to talk. And again, you know, my my grandfather has got this uh, this Buick that hasn't mm-hmm. moved in in twelve years. So it needs tires, needs a tune up, needs somebody to get in there with a mask and just. Dust out the interior. Yeah, yeah. So what do we, what would he take for it? Probably like five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's done because then I can put five hundred into it. and I still get a car for you know a thousand dollars or less. So this word of mouth thing, or um, even if you want to do it, you know, electronically or whatever. I mean, you can try this, but there's no, you know, there's there's no schedule to this one. It just kind of these things kind of fall into your lap. Right. You can't really bet on a specific time of year or anything like that. One one thing that I like about this, I think this is one of the best choices for parents who are helping a kid learn to drive, or if you're listening to this and you're a new driver, like 15 to 17 or whatever, and, you, and your folks have told you, you know, it's a life lesson now. You have to earn your, the money yourself to buy the car, and you're looking at prices of new sedans, and you're thinking, holy smokes, how am I going to save up? What what's the minimum average now? Like thirty four grand or thirty two grand? I think so. Yeah. For a for a sedan? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, for a new sedan, that's that's a lot of scratch. That's a that's a big hill of beans. That's the average sedan. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thirty four thousand or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Crazy. And there's you know realistically that's a very 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 large number. It's a high goal to meet. So one way to get around that is just check with the relatives. Uh, a lot of my relatives did this when I was growing up. 
they would make deals for like maybe an older relative who's no longer driving anymore but they've got that Taurus that just won't die you know yeah. and but they can't drive it but they can't drive it yeah so they, it's doing no good it's sitting in a garage mm-hmm. somewhere or maybe outside even worse uh, yeah. for, for years at a time sometimes or you know before anybody will give it any kind of uh, any kind of love right and that means you know there are some definite things that you have to add into the cost of it like maybe they'll sell it to you for a thousand dollars I've seen it before in like a barter system kind of thing where they would say okay you can have you know great uncle Jehoshaphat's I don't have a Jehoshaphat uncle but great uncle Jehoshaphat's <laughs> old car for uh $800 and you have to mow his lawn every summer, you know, like you, for the rest of the summer, you have to mow his lawn every month or something. Until like. you're out of college. Until you, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> However they end up sticking you. Or a year or whatever. Yeah, yeah, don't I, be afraid to bargain in I that regard. It. But the, um, the thing is, the other costs come inherent with that. You're almost definitely going to have to buy a new set of tires. Yeah. Because if they're left too long, then they're just going to rot out. Yeah. But still, depending on how you play it, this could be worth your time, and these the the people who'd be selling the car in this point want to help you. They don't want to get over on you. Yeah, exactly. So you know this is a possibility, but again, there's no you know date when you can go and take a look at these vehicles mm-hmm. and and you know you know that you know three months ahead of time you're going to go to this auction and buy it. These these are the ones again that fall into your lap. So you have to be ready when it happens. And uh, again, there's some proactive things you can do to make it make it work out for you. And we've got one more to go. It's the best option. But I think we're going to take a word from our sponsor first. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good. And I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And Ben, I was telling you that I think we're we're down to the final one here. We're down to the best option, mm-hmm. or and, the least worst. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's the least worst. But actually, this one doesn't sound too bad. And I've I tell you this this afternoon I've been kind of poking around some of these sites that we're going to talk about and, oh yeah uh, and they're interesting there's a lot more to them than just cars but um, the author thinks that maybe the the penny pinchers paradise comes in the form of government auctions yes government auctions the best car you can buy for less than a grand is probably going to be at a government auction and look just let's go ahead and say it the $1,000 Ferrari, let's rip the Band-Aid off now, Scott. Yeah. It's a myth. It's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. It's If there's any Ferrari that's $1,000, unless there's a miracle, you don't want it. Yeah. Uh, but for $1,000 or less, you can actually get a, a pretty decent vehicle that has been maintained because it was part of a fleet. Yeah, that's possible because we're talking about you know government surplus vehicles, vehicles or uh, you know confiscated uh, confiscated property, you know things that have been abandoned in some cases. But we're talking about for the most part, um, you know the city service vehicles, you know the the, the small pickup trucks, you know mm-hmm. that, that carry the fuel tanks in the back, you know for other vehicles in the city, or you know the the um, maybe the fire chief's car, you know things like that it come up right. for auction. So it's not a bad not a bad way to go. The thing is, you don't have to get a police car. So, you know, that's a, a, a myth, I guess, is that a lot of people think, well, it's got to be a, a police car. It's going to be a Crown Vic. It's going to be a Taurus, something like that. Yeah. Um, or a Caprice, you know, from, you know, earlier days. Uh, but there are cars that are better than that. you got to think that, you know, mayors and county commissioners and fire chiefs, as I said, or detectives mm-hmm. and other, other government employees get cars that don't have some of the cheaper options that they put into police cars because they know those things are going to get trashed. Right. A lot of people who have to travel routinely for work uh, in service of Uncle Sam here in the States, uh, they they end up having cars that... Okay, let's say the other thing, too. A lot of these cars are going to have high mileage by the time they get to you. Oh, very high. And if if nothing else, um, I don't know if some of these cars that we're talking about have, you know, idle hour counters. So, you know, when the car is sitting idling. Uh, yeah. A lot of police cars have incredible numbers for idle hours uh, versus driving, you know, time. So uh, that's another thing to consider. And trucks have that too. You know, work trucks. If you're gonna, if you're interested in buying, you know, a city service truck that was, you know, part of like the, you know, the the tree crew that goes uh-huh. around and trims all the trees. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know, I don't know the term for that. I guess you know the the lineman cars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of those vehicles are going to sit idle for a long time, but they're going to be running the whole time. So lots of hours on those engines. So here's the way that we've got a little more to say about this, but I I want to immediately get to this part, Scott. Here's the way that you can find these auctions and these vehicles. Because if someone's never been to an auction before, it can seem kind of intimidating, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's definitely an art to it. And if you just show up without a strategy, you and your money will be soon parted. Yeah, you're the the sucker there. Yeah, yeah. And they make a living off rubes. Yeah. So the the first thing you would want to do is check out places like Gov Deals, G O V Deals mm-hmm. to make yeah. sure my accent doesn't <laughs> screw us up there. <laughs> yeah, and there's another one called Public Surplus. And uh you know if you go to um you know autos or or maybe even I think on on Public Surplus it's called Motor Pool and you'll be able to see what's available there and you can even sort these auctions by state. Uh-huh. Or by uh, you know distance from your house, things like that. You can sort them just as you would any other um, you know online seller, and uh, you would not believe some of the deals that are on the on those sites. I mean, really, the auctions tend to stay fairly low. I mean, unless there's something really really desirable. I was looking this morning again at these sites, yeah, and it's not just cars. There's all kinds of things. I mean, there's jewelry and framed artwork and furniture and toys and all kinds of stuff, electronics, um, you know, just things that have been abandoned, you know, property or items that have been lost, that kind of thing. Um, there, there. If you want a fire truck, Ben, you can buy a fire truck. There are fire trucks available from every everywhere from one hundred and twenty five thousand oh, dollars, and you man. can imagine what that looks like. Yeah, I know. Down to two hundred and fifty dollars, and it looks decent. I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if the pumping system works or anything like that, but um, you know, 
all the way down to that, and there's five pages of fire trucks on that site as of right now. And it works just the way any other auction works. You know, you find out how many days and hours are left, and you watch the bid, and uh, you know, there's an, a, a minimum bid. It tells you what the current bid is, right? And uh, you're you're able to bid like that. I'm sure that there's a process for you to sign up because they don't want anybody just bidding whatever on the on the items. Uh, you have to identify yourself and you know qualify as a bidder, and uh, and once you do. I guarantee you, you'll be surprised by what you find on some of these sites. They're they're pretty remarkable. I absolutely agree. And the cool part about that is, if you're just window shopping online, you, you can you don't have to feel obligated to do anything. And just from a staying informed standpoint, mm-hmm. it's it's a really good use of your time because the more often you look at these things, the the better your understanding of the general trends will become. And one of the first things you'll notice is that there are some cars that are always on these lists. Yeah, there's some commonalities among all of these auctions, and those would be things like, you know, Ford Tauruses and Crown Vicks and Impalas and, you know, Ford Rangers and F-150s. In fact, Ben, just this morning I saw a Ford Ranger that was a 2007, I think, again, Another $250 bid. Now, there's like four days left in the auction. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to watch this one and see what happens with it, but it looked interesting. I think it was a tree, sir, or I mean, a uh, park service vehicle. Uh, looked like it was decent, had, you know, relatively low miles and it was running mm-hmm. and all that. But mm-hmm. uh, again, it's a 2007 vehicle, so it's 10 years old. But is it worth 250 bucks? It, it probably is. I mean, there, there are other versions of this too. I mean, you can get heavy duty Ford F-150s that, you know, um, you know, are a little bit higher in price, but Man, what a great place to pick up, you know, just a, a weekend work truck, you know, something that you can haul, you know, topsoil from the nursery to your house in or, mm-hmm. um, you know, go pick up that big piece of furniture or the grill or whatever you need to. Um, some of these are a really great deal. Some of them are not great deals. I mean, really, again, investigate because I saw some vehicles, Ben, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. They're selling some in the same list, but if you don't read the details, you don't get this. They were on Beach Patrol. And they're on beach patrol yep. on the on the coast where there's salt water. Yep. So you know the problem is the entire underbody is just about gone. It's it's you know uh, Swiss cheese mm-hmm. with, with rust. Yeah. So check it out. You know, make sure that you read all the details. Make sure you know what you're getting into in every situation like this. And uh, you know, you know, the chances are though. You're, you're not going to get something that's brand new. It's always going to be something that's, you know, again, 10 years old or 7 years old or, you know, whatever. It's it's going to be a bit worn out. But if you want something that's just a good A to B, you know, I got to get to work and home type of vehicle or to school and home type of vehicle, mm-hmm. um, this may be, the, you know, the place to go. But there are a couple of tricks here. So there, there's a... Um, a way that you choose a good one. And the author says that 90% of your success with these cars will come from showing up in person and inspecting the vehicles again. So he's a big uh, proponent of showing up and actually looking, putting your hands on the vehicle and really checking things out. And I, I completely understand this. Again, you know, the, the sites that... You know, you look at uh, uh, Craigslist is typically something you look locally. Typically, yeah. eBay is sometimes a, a greater distance, so you know you're more tempted to buy something from farther away. Typically, and and these auctions, I would guess, you know, if the price is right, you might also be tempted to buy something that comes from you know Utah if you're in Maine or you know long long distances, and you're not able to get there within the three days and inspect mm-hmm. the thing, but. Maybe certain, you know, maybe narrow your search to something that's in your area, and you can go inspect it. That's that's the advice. That's key. Here's another great part. One of the massive advantages that buying a a former government car affords you mm-hmm. is that typically there will be they will have been associated. Remember when we talked about fleet maintenance? They will be associated with some sort of maintenance department, right? Oh yeah. And that means that they will have maintenance. Not only will they have maintenance records, but they will probably have no issue showing them to you. Oh, yeah. So you can ask, let me see what happened on Beach Patrol. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can ask questions. You can say, you know, has this car ever been damaged or why, you know, why is it on the lot to begin with? And they may say it's as simple as, you know, we replaced all of our vehicles this year and and this is the old fleet. Or this is like an ancient curse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that could be the case too, an ancient curse. Now, I said. I said that 90% of your success is, is showing up and inspecting the vehicles. The other 10%? Yeah. Luck. 
The other 10% comes down to luck. Which it, can be a hard thing for people to take, but it's absolutely true, well, man. Well, 10%. I mean, that's, that's hardly a risk. And as he, as he points out here, you know, these, uh, these government auctions are probably the place you want to go if you want to get a car that's decent for under $10,000 as long as you do those two things. As long as you inspect them, you ask questions. As long as you can mm-hmm. get there and see it in person, mm-hmm. hands on, and, uh, and make sure that you're making a good deal because, uh, that, that's extremely critical in this case, especially, if you know this is your last thousand dollars that you've got, you know, for something like this, you don't want to you don't want to dump a thousand dollars into a car if that's all you've got, and then you don't have another thousand to recoup to do this again. Yeah, there there are some important uh, things to uh, evaluate right before you even get out into the thousand dollar car search game. And before we get to that, I do want to say one more thing about government auctions, and this is something that I think you'd be pretty interested in, Scott. So it's not really a secret that both you and I have traveled a lot. Yeah. You know? And you you traveled more than I have, uh but Well I'm older. Well we're both you know, we get we get around. Yeah, sure we do. Yeah. So one of the things that I learned from my older family members and one thing that I hope uh you're all fans of, ladies and gentlemen, is Whenever I go to a new town, especially a small town, I try to find the local paper. And one thing I didn't, I didn't realize for a long time is that just because I wasn't looking in these things as, you know, a younger guy, I already had a car and stuff. Um, a lot of those local papers are going to have very important announcements about local auctions, mm. uh, or estate sales, estate sales. That's another huge one. Cause you can find cars there too. Oh yeah. But the thing, the thing is that on the federal level, a lot of these auctions are going to be a little more competitive for certain types of cars, right? On the local level, you can find some real gems. So if you were ever on a road trip from, let's say, Illinois to where somewhere that would be kind of a long drive? Nebraska. To Nebraska. You stop for lunch at a, at a small town, you know, off the interstate or whatever. Uh, while you're noshing on a sandwich, man, pick up that local newspaper and you might end up making a deal. In a in a day, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Now, now one uh, can I can I throw a little bit of cold water on this? A, yeah, little, yeah. a little bit of a wet blanket. Please do. Is that if you do go to an estate sale, it's often it's not always the case, but sometimes the family's running that, and they kind of have a um, an emotional attachment to the vehicle that they may be selling, which might translate to a, a tax of sorts. Well, yeah, I guess a tax if you want to call it that, an, an overly inflated price. So you know you may. Um, you know, roll up on this estate sale and, you know, the family's out there, you know, they invite you into the house and everything's for sale. Every single thing is for sale, including that, you know, the two cars in the garage. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a 1959 Cadillac. And you want that Cadillac more than anything, but that was grand, you know, granddad's car. Right. And, uh, and they decide that, you know, that thing is worth, that, that's worth $70,000. You know, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's, that's an overinflation right there. But, um, you know, let's say that it's, it's $10,000 above whatever market is. Uh, so watch out for stuff like that too. You gotta kinda know the market, know what, you know, what's a deal and what's not mm-hmm. a deal. Um, but the $1,000 car, I mean, I guess at an, at an estate sale, it's, it's a possibility, but it's probably, you know, the one that's been parked out in the backyard for a while. Yeah. Might have to tow it home. Yeah, that's true. That's maybe. absolutely true. There's a chance, or maybe it's a you know the kid's car or something. You know that uh, you know that they've had laying there since you know he graduated from college, and um, they decided that you know just didn't do anything with it. Didn't sell for scrap. Didn't uh, didn't put it in the local paper. Right. And, and now's the time to get rid of it at this yard sale because they're done with lawn ornaments. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't care what it is. You know, five hundred bucks. It's yours. You know it, that reminds me of one of the weirder but more plausible urban legends in the world of automobiles. Remember those stories about, some of these have been verified as true, there would be stories about someone looking for a car and a guy goes through the classifieds in the newspaper and he sees like a a new Cadillac or a new Corvette and the asking price is cartoonishly low. Yeah. It's like 900 bucks or best offer. Yeah. And he's so, he's so intrigued by this that he says, well, I just at least want to see what terrible thing is wrong with the car. And you find out it's like, uh, it's a, a divorcee whose ex-partner left them or whatever. And mm-hmm. they took the car and now they're getting rid of it to like, 
stick it to that person. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, again, I mean that's so rare, but it reminds me because that's really happened before. But I wonder how many times that's really truly happened to somebody maybe I mean, like three or four times maybe or you know maybe it's just you know that that old project car that somebody had laying around you know yeah. that, that, that is valuable but they just want it out of the garage i could see my wife doing this to me i really could <laughs> no you know, if i was gone i think i think that car would be gone for a hundred bucks you talking about the newport yeah it would be gone for <laughs> almost nothing or somebody could just take it and she'd be happy would we still would we still be friends if you were if you were like ben while i was gone my wife sold the Newport, and I said, Scott, I hate for you to find out about it this way, but I know. Yeah, why do you think I never take, like, you know, my own vacation? Like, you know, because uh, I know when I come back, there may be a surprise. I try to keep my eye on that thing. Do you, uh, do you I, check the garage every yeah, night? That's right. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, on trash day, I make sure she hasn't pulled it down to the curb. Man. Yeah, I know. You guys are, are fighting over that no, garage. No, well, not, not really, no. Yeah. We're, Hey, you know what? There may be some news coming about that sometime soon. So, oh, cool. uh, you know, I'm just leaving, I'm going to throw that out there. Nice. And, foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, maybe. All right. Well, stay tuned for an update. No spoilers yet. There may be some news on the way. And there's one thing that I want to add that I think is one of the most important aspects of this. And it, it's not mentioned explicitly in the article, but it's, it's a crucial point. When you buy a car for a thousand dollars or less, you're not really buying a car for $1,000 or less. What you're doing is putting a down payment on a car and you get the car and the title for $1,000, but the odds of you having to do pretty substantial repairs are going to be much, much higher than if you had bought a, uh, a newer used car or a new car you 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 have to factor in i would say if you only have a thousand dollars and you are only going to have a thousand dollars you know not in perpetuity but only a thousand dollars you can dedicate to the car i don't i don't know if you should do it i think you need to factor in additional additional scratch to uh additional scratch to have uh those repairs done because if you get it and you want to drive it you're also going to need to do those repairs very soon after purchasing the vehicle and that is what the author calls the uncomfortable truth that we had kind of teased at the uh, you know the head of this episode so yeah you're right you're going to put down a thousand dollars but you may need to spend an additional you know 500 on mechanical repairs or leaks or you know whatever or or 350 dollars on tires or whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be um you know but it's important that you get it back into decent mechanical shape because we are talking about you know the one thousand dollar decent car. So um, you know even if it's if it's close to a thousand dollars, I guess maybe that's the author's point is that yeah you can you can spend a thousand for the title in the vehicle and you know you get to take it home, but uh, but there's going to be some other costs that are going to come up along the way. That's uh, that's that's a given I think. But he says the best thing that you can do, you know, the biggest favor that you can do for yourself when you're in this position is that you shouldn't be lazy in your pursuit. You should go where you have the least uncertainty and then invest in the car that you think you can kind of bring out of this pile of junk that you're buying for you know, a thousand <laughs> or less. I mean, because sometimes it is a pile of junk, really. I mean, let's be honest about it. Other times it's, you know, decent looking, but, you know, you know that it could be a little better than it is now just with some elbow grease and some, uh, you know, some, some care. Absolutely. And well said, Scott. This is concluding... I believe our episode on the fine art of buying a car for a thousand dollars or less asterisk because you're going to have to put down some more cash later. And we hope that you've enjoyed it. We also hope that uh, you've had an example in the past or experience with this sort of situation. If so, let us know. How did you find a car that was thousand dollars less? I would, I would love to talk to people who, that have bought government auction vehicles. Yeah, you know, that uh, that have bought you know the F one hundred and fifty that was part of the uh, you know the uh, the park service or whatever in your local town. Is it a decent buy? Is it something that you know you you uh, you know still use today? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to know if that's something that's uh, that that is a viable option. Really, I mean, we can we can read about it here, but is that really practical? Is it something that that really happens in real life? I've right. I got a, I got a friend in or he used to live in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. bought it. F-150 as a work truck had, you know, like the rack on the back and everything, you know, for things to be stored above, you know, ladders or whatever. And, uh, and he loved that. I don't know how long he kept it, mm-hmm. but, uh, but he had it for a short time. And I don't think he paid a thousand dollars for it. I think he paid a little bit more than that. Um, uh, but it was a decent buy and, and it got him through whatever he needed to do around the house. You know, it was a, you know, 
for projects or whatever. Yeah. He had something in mind with it. But I would love to hear from somebody, again, government auctions, private auctions. If you got sure. a junkyard and bought a, a running car, wow, that'd be a good story because yeah. that's rare. Um, or, you know, have a friend in the uh, you know the towing and wrecker service, mm-hmm. even more rare. So that's the worst. Yeah. So whether this is a tale of shrewdness and financial triumph or a cautionary tale that you feel your fellow listeners need to hear, let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter where we are Car Stuff HSW and you can write to us directly. We are Car Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.